Hello again. In, uh, on this episode of Let's Talk Ed, I'm going to visit again with Kirby Lund, professor of English in North Dakota. Uh, Chris is absent uh, tonight. Uh, and Kirby and I have been talking about the fact that literature in general, but also composition in particular and communication are critical to the success of our communities, of our society. But we also hear, especially from people like myself who are aging, um, getting grayer by the second, uh, that youth are not, uh, you, you can't talk about that. Just I'm, I'm old and I can say it about myself. <laughs> <laughs> that technology is consuming the next generation and therefore the next generation is ineffective at, uh, at being successful in communication, being successful in languages. Do you agree with that? And if you don't, how do you perceive it? And help me out here. Help me clarify it. So I, I happen to disagree here. I, I think that younger generations are communicating in maybe a different way. They're using more multimedia tools to communicate and language is, is changing because of that. And, and older generations, Zahi, are are balking at those language changes because <laughs> because it isn't something that they're used to older generations even even my own generation were taught that you have to be very professional in in every single thing that you send when it's workplace oriented whereas younger generations are taking more of an informal stance on on what is and isn't considered professional communication. One of my colleagues sent an article, I believe last week, listing different uh, Gen Z slang words that are now coming up in the workplace. And, and I think, okay, that that's fine. So long as they can communicate what they're saying, if this is the way that they communicate, I don't really mind. Now, there's certainly a time and a place for it. If we're talking to a client of my business and we know who this audience is, we need to tailor our message for that specific audience. If we're talking colleague to colleague, yes, we're going to joke, we're going to use slang words because we're on the same team and we understand each other's communication. So with the heightened use of technology, especially with younger generations, yes, language is going to change. So there are words from Middle English that that we don't use any word anymore. So bismoddered to be to be covered or spotted in in some material. No one except maybe me is going to use the word bismoddered in everyday speech. But if I can still communicate what my goal is to the intended audience and do so in, in a way that's going to be receptive, I don't really see a problem with it. Uh, okay, that was a word good for Scrabble, but... Uh... Beyond that, um, you see, we uh, 
neither you nor I use uh, pigeon carriers and smoke signals to communicate. Um, very few people now want you to call them. They want you to text them. Um, and, and if you think about it, it is an efficiency that is phenomenal, right? Because you're putting in a succinct number of words the message and packaging it and sending it. And what is our number one complaint is that people talk not to say anything. Now, tell me about the importance of books. Uh, textbooks have saddled uh, students for generations with bills, and they're, they're, those bills are, have been growing in the last decade or two. Tell me how you approach it from a book-heavy discipline, or is it not book-heavy discipline? Well, I, as, as you can see, it is, it is a book heavy discipline, but, um, as, as far as textbooks in higher education, the last time I did my research, I believe it was in the last 10 years, textbook prices have risen by 800%. Holy and, and the people who are saddled with that are students who, I mean, we know that students are often strapped for cash. If there's free food available on campus, you can imagine that students are going to go to that event because there's free food, there's free stuff to get because they are saddled with so much debt, whether that's just textbooks, student fees, tuition, anything in between. And that's not even counting the stuff that they have to pay for outside of campus. So, a lot of instructors are married to the idea of, I need to have a physical textbook that is the best way, the only way that my students are going to learn the material. And to that, I, I would also disagree again. There are so many open education resources or OERs available online for no cost at all that could be adapted to so many different applications. There are a lot of OERs that say, okay, all you need to do is give us credit as the, the writers of this book and you can use it for your classes. Others say that there is a Creative Commons license available with this OER and they say you can remix, you can adapt these assignments, you can flat out take these assignments and mix it up with your own writing to make your own OER so long as you give us credit as, as the writers of this specific chunk. So OERs present this, this highly adaptable, highly accessible, low cost option to physical textbooks. And with physical textbooks, you often get people who are trying to save a couple of dollars. So they go to Amazon, they buy the textbook. Oh, but this was the fourth edition. I was supposed to buy the fifth edition. So now I'm missing a whole chapter or two of content that we're going to go through in class. So now what do I do? Do I return the book and get the right textbook or do I just stick it out? Instead of having students try to, to navigate those hard decisions and, and pay horrendously high amounts for textbooks, what I've done in my class is I've developed an open education resource website. 
So instead of a traditional textbook, this is just formatted as a website. There's a, a table of contents right at the very beginning where there are buttons, there are links to individual readings that we go through out the entire semester. So my students don't pay for textbooks anymore. And I, I used to teach five classes a semester. I did the math and I saved students about $12,000 a semester just by doing this one thing. I pay about $50 a year to keep my website up and running. I can add as many posts as I want and I still save students thousands and thousands of dollars every year. And it's something that more instructors should be looking toward because it is so accessible. You can read it on a laptop. You can read it on a tablet. You can read it as, as a mobile version on your phone. So those students who come to class and say, oh, I forgot to charge my laptop. Hey, you have your phone? Okay, let's read on our phone today. No problem. And by improving access to the learning materials, you're also improving retention. Because if students have to make the decision between paying rent this month or buying my textbook, I would guess that a lot of them are going to pay the rent. With OER options, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, especially in North Dakota in the winter, they sh I sure hope that they're gonna pay the rent. Uh, and, and we shouldn't put our students or our faculty and staff in those situations. Uh, now, to that effect, uh, the way I also look at uh, electronic versions of, of educational material is that the, um, the electronic tool can read it for you. So if you've got difficulty, uh, in whether it is uh, with your eyesight or uh, you're more of an auditory learner or English is a second language for you, those tools are very helpful um, as much as you like your books behind you, but they are, no offense to books and publishers, they're, you know, approaching it from one way. If your eyesight, like me, uh, starts to fail, well, you need to be looking at the lower end uh, where your trifocals are. Right. And it's only within the last maybe two or three years that I've realized I'm really bad at sitting still to read a whole book cover to cover. I want to be doing things. I like to knit. I like to woodwork. And I can actually do two things at once. I can listen to an audiobook in in three or four hours at double speed while I'm doing the things that that I enjoy doing. So for open education resources, yeah, the accessibility component is huge. Listening to a web page being read to you for some people is a lot easier than than trying to read that whole web page and and scrolling through the entire thing. And it doesn't take away in your mind it doesn't take away from the idea of literature or the idea of analysis or the idea of composition? Not at all. I taught American Lit 1 and 2 a few years ago, and I had open education resources available for every single reading in the class. The students didn't have to buy the big four-inch thick Norton anthology. Sorry, Norton. 
But in any case, there was one student who kept coming to class and saying, oh, yeah, when I listened to it, da, 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 da. Well, what do you mean you listened to it? You didn't, you didn't read it? Oh, no, I, I, I found the audio book on YouTube. Oh, okay. So I had a moment of disconnect there where I thought, well, the only way to do it is if you, you know, read it with your eyes. But even if you're listening to it, it still counts as reading. You're still learning the material. You're still getting the literature. You can still pick out themes despite it being in a different format. As my last question and perhaps challenge to you is, every politician that I can think of has, in the last couple of decades, come down very hard on liberal arts and perhaps things like uh, art history and literature and philosophy have been vilified. Uh, from your perspective, is an English major individual going to starve like they claim in an economy where we can't even find employees for any job that, that we have? So, uh, no, not at all. Um, English majors certainly aren't going to starve. I, I'm not starving. I had a, a great supper prepared by my wonderful wife. But... Thank you, Renee. There, there are a ton of opportunities out there for people who study English and study the liberal arts. When I first declared English as my major, when, when I was a, a fledgling student and I, I had a lot more hair at that point, my advisor actually said, well, did your dad cry when you told him? You were going to study English? Well, uh, no, why? Just completely doe-eyed. Because, yeah, we, we pigeonhole students of liberal arts and English into, okay, you're going to study English, so where are you going to teach? Because that's the only career field available to people who study English. Well, I studied English, and luckily for me, I wanted to teach. But... My wife was also an English major and she taught for a while. She now works in a courthouse. She works in the court system. Lawyers are writing briefs and, and judges are writing orders. All of this is writing based. So there are tons of career options outside of, of teaching for those people in the liberal arts. Of course, if you want to go into English and writing, sure, you can go to those writing intensive fields that are very focused on writing, like being a book editor. Uh, you can, you can write for online magazines. You can write for physical magazines. So there, there are a lot of job options open that way, but having, having that English major is more about the soft skills that comes along with it. So how well do you communicate among different groups of people? How well do you problem solve? How well do you analyze things? Whether that's analyzing somebody else's writing or maybe analyzing data. There are a ton of options open for people in the liberal arts, but we're doing students a disservice by saying, 
okay, you're studying liberal arts. Where do you want to teach? There's a whole world out there and industries are popping up all over the place. They need PR people. They need marketing consultants. So all of those fall right in line with English and communication degrees. That's a wonderful thing. Well, folks, Kirby Lund joined me today uh, on Let's Talk Ed, and we had a wonderful opportunity of touching on a variety of different topics that pertain to the study of literature, of reading, of writing, but also of uh, the workforce preparation uh, elements that liberal arts and languages in particular play a huge role in. Uh, Kirby, thank you. Folks, we'll see you next time on Let's Talk Ed. Hopefully, Chris will be back. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts or right here on YouTube. Ring the bell.